This week on Dave and Dom Demystify, we'll be talking about social media. Now, Dave says he's got the whole lot figured out, but frankly, I'm exhausted. I've been on my space, your space, his space, her space, Facebook, armpit book, bum book, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, not so Instagram, Snapchat, Snitchat, this chat, that chat, Vines, and now TikTok. From the studios of Contrarian, new media in the UK and US, comes the Dave and Dom Demystify Show. Dave and Dom demystify show, making sense of the world of fintech and digital finance. Sit back and listen as the two Ds take a subject and chat it through to make it clearer and easier to understand. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Wallace and Dom Mystery. Demystified. Welcome to the Dave and Dom Demystified show. And this week, we're going to talk about social media. And we have the pleasure of some guests. Apart from my esteemed colleague Dave, we also have Paul Loberman, who has been a product director at banks like HSBC and Santander. Thanks, Samish. I've been very active on social media over the last kind of few years, as well as a banker. You know, I think some interesting lessons learned, probably, that I hopefully share today. And thank you very much for having me. Brilliant. And we have one other very special guest, Tilly Wallace, who's going to give us the other end of the spectrum's perspective. So looking at this from a younger person's perspective, you know, how they use social media. Tilly, would you like to say hello to everybody? Hi, hi, I'm Tilly. (laughs) And I've just been doing some social media marketing for companies. So I'm here to tell you all about it and share my wisdom. (laughs) Fantastic. And we're really looking forward to hearing from you. But let's start with Dave. You did an amazing piece of work on benchmarking social media usage by the banks and why don't you tell us a bit about that work you know what did you really find out from that and why did you do it i think social media is such a dominant part of our lives i mean i don't know what the stats are for how often all of us look at our mobile phones but i think it's pretty scary and a lot of that interaction is to do with looking at social channels so i'm very interested in what are banks doing from a social media perspective so how are they using social media and what are some of their successes and failures because from what i can see social is emerging as a kind of mature channel for doing business and i was fascinated to see whether banks were up for the challenge. So what we started is a sort of benchmarking process where we're going to look at banks on a quarterly basis and understand using our benchmarking tool their various sort of successes and failures, as I say. So I was also very interested in are the traditional banks doing anything different from the challenger banks and what are those differences and what could the traditional banks perhaps learn from the challengers And I guess the other thing that I was kind of very interested in is across the social media platforms, which were the ones which were being used and which were the ones that tended to be ignored. 
But look, I mean, the conclusions are that pretty much Facebook and LinkedIn kind of dominate. The challenges actually are way ahead of the more traditional banks in terms of what they're doing. So they tend to have fresher, more up-to-date content and, you know, a lot more engagement from people. Actually, the traditional banks are sort of starting to get with the programme. So one bank which I wanted to call out in particular was HSBC. So they have more followers than any of the others across all the different platforms. And, you know, I'm still trying to figure out why that would be. So, for example, they have, well, almost double the number of followers than anybody else on Facebook. And that's for the UK only. It doesn't take into account the global audience. But it's kind of interesting that the traditional banks are kind of starting to catch up. But banks will start the month with lots of posting and then by the end of the month they seem to run out of steam. Why would that be? I don't know. But they seem to be following a sort of set pattern. Where they stop engaging, you sort of see engagement drop right off. So there is a sort of need to kind of be doing things like engaging with the audience on a sort of more ongoing basis and... One of the interesting things we found was that I think particularly from the more traditional banks where they've tried to use humour, that sort of fallen completely flat on its face. So people are looking for kind of more serious content. And I think another thing which is kind of the elephant in the room is there's an awful lot of people who are using social media as a sort of place to complain about the banks themselves. And there seems to be very little effort in terms of kind of taking those complaints and moving them away from the social media channels other than through inviting people to do direct messaging. But you then have people like Nationwide who sort of set up a particular customer services account and they're directing people down that route. So there's lots of things to be seen. But I think overall, the banks are not using, and this is both traditional and social, they're not using social media for anything other than promoting themselves or doing basic customer service. And there is, I think, a lot more that they could be doing. Fascinating. I mean, I definitely would agree that, look, if you haven't read the report, you should definitely download the report. We'll add a link to it in the posting. I'm going to flip over to Paul, who I think probably accounts for that 50% or the doubling of HSBC's traffic, right? Because I've been in this space for some time and I haven't seen somebody as rapidly become an influencer as Paul. So we've definitely got the right man on the job. Paul, what's your feedback? What's your views on this stuff? I think, first of all, Thomas, you might have to re-record this bit because I don't think I could call myself an influencer. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's... So modest. <laughs> no, I think I've been active on social media, especially more on Twitter to start with for a long time. Just because I started to kind of get really interested in the fintech space and what people were doing before the banks were really grabbing this as a channel. I think Dave said a couple of interesting things that I wanted to just pick up on. He talked about a channel for doing business. And I don't think many of the banks are there yet because I agree with Dave that there's a lot of self-promotion and kind of self-help. And especially if I look at the US, there were a lot of banks that used to have separate Twitter handles for custom support that used to kind of push people down that route as well. And the other thing from the report was the comedic side of things, because I think the social media channel is an extension of your brand. And if you look at some of the challenges, some of the fintechs have really done some interesting things around humor that makes a real kind of personal voice heard on Twitter, for example. And one of those I've seen really do that is Anna Money, 
but also even Monzo and Starling were on the challenger side, really kind of have an extension of their brand and their voice and the way that they talk with their customers in their social channels. So, you know, it was great to pick that up on the report. And there were some surprising things to me on there as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that evolves. Paul, we met because you actually tweeted something on social media and I'd followed you and I didn't know you from Adam at that stage. And we ended up agreeing about the subject matter over Twitter and then we ended up having a coffee and then we ended up talking. And I think you were being too modest about your influencer status because I think I plus probably a lot of other people actually follow you and I use you for your knowledge and a lot of the work you pretty much do in terms of curating Twitter, which means that I don't have to put so much effort in. And I guess what's kind of interesting is you came out of a large bank and you managed to kind of get yourself set on this social media path. And it's kind of interesting to understand that. I mean, the bank was HSBC. And I guess one of the things we saw in the report is how dominant HSBC is from a follower point of view. So did you get started on this path? Because I guess you're interested in, but were you kind of given permission to by HSBC? What was going on in the background from a corporate point of view? My interest and my start came before HSBC, probably around 2014, 2015. And one of the biggest fintech influencers was working for Santander, Brad Limer. And he and I became good friends. And he kind of encouraged me to have a bit more of a personal brand, in effect, on Twitter in the kind of fintech space. But I think I've always felt that the personal brand needs to also represent the company too. So you've got to have some kind of common sense principles. Because in the past, Banks have had very strong social media policies and guidance to employees to basically not talk about the company on social media because there are some obvious risks involved that you don't want to be socially engineered by somebody who could then befriend you and get access to whatever and information about the company. So banks have certainly been quite risk averse. Yeah. And that's made people probably more hesitant in using social media as a channel or anything other than personal use. But I think banks have started to definitely see the value of social as a channel. Some are really embracing that and have involved some of the employees who are most active or want to be on social media. So at HSBC, they set up a social media ambassador program, which gave good guidance and clear path and direction to a number of people that wanted to be ambassadors for the bank to promote the brand, to share content. And I think From my view, I was quite clear that I really wanted to pick the stories that HSBC had that I wanted to share, mostly things around values, diversity, inclusion, personal stories that had human experience in there, those that resonated with me more than ones that were just promoting the bank rate in other ways. And I've definitely seen some progress, perhaps more in the consumption of social content rather than the engagement. But now a lot more of the executive teams are now engaging, probably on LinkedIn, because it's a great place to start connecting, interacting, sharing interesting content. The CEO of HSBC two weeks ago posted his first post on LinkedIn. And I checked today, 16,000 reactions to that and 650 comments, right? And he's started to engage with both employees that have commented on that and also staff. So execs are starting to kind of realize that They are part of the brand as well. They can get involved. And as long as they be authentic, 
listen to others' opinions and be polite for them, which you expect them all to be media trained anyway, and don't engage with any trolls, I think it gives them another point of access to the community and what people are feeling. That's kind of what I've taken from working at a big bank and social. Yeah. Fantastic. And so we've heard from Dave on the research side of thing. We've heard from Paul from a more pragmatic, how banks have used it, how he's used it personally. Um, Tilly, what would your perspective be, you know, being a young person that's grown up on social media, right? We kind of think that we own it as oldies, but I mean, what's your perspective on the way that banks use it specifically? I don't think they utilise it as much as they need to be. I mean, you've got some fantastic social media channels that, you know, they're not making the most out of. TikTok is really, really on the rise at the moment. It is so easy to get viral on TikTok. And I don't say that lightly. It is so easy for a video to be viewed by so many people on TikTok. I see so many videos of people offering financial advice on TikTok and often those do amazing. And I just think, why have so many banks not made the most out of this, you know, this free channel? That's great. You know, they could be offering advice. I mean, the problem is people my age are, they're quite lazy. (laughs) We're lazy. And what's great about TikTok is it's a 60 second video over and done with you know you've got all the advice you need in 60 seconds that's how long we're engaged to something before we sort of lose interest really what other channels Tilly because I mean when I look at my kids one year it was Snapchat then it was Twitter then it was Insta now it seems to be TikTok so do we have to keep jumping through the hoops all the time or what should the approach be so Instagram I think is a great channel that's not outdated very much still used by millions and millions of people facebook to me is great but people my age don't use it anymore as much snapchat i don't think it's worth focusing all your energy into but as long as you sort of post regularly on facebook and instagram that's the main thing really people always are flicking through facebook and instagram and i think you do need to be adaptable. You need to adapt to the new channels that are coming. I don't know why people haven't adapted to TikTok yet, but that's something that most people can think about doing. But as long as you've got a very good social media presence on Instagram and Facebook, I think you're flying. You're doing great. I, th- I think that's a very good word, being adaptable. I think that's spot on, exactly. Dave, sorry, you're going to say. I was kind of interested in our review we did. Instagram was hardly used, but I'll call out Starling because they've got a brilliant kind of Instagram page and they do a lot of customer case studies and they kind of showcase a lot of their products and services. And I know of at least three or four people who I've talked to who actually got accounts because they looked at the Instagram page. So, you know, and that's just sort of a survey of one talking to me. So anyone who's sort of sat there thinking, well, these channels don't matter. I think you're just not with the program, to be honest with you. But where Instagram kind of fails is where people are just sort of plasting up static images and things like that. So to Tilly's point, TikTok is about short form video. I mean, short form video can live on TikTok, but it can also live on other channels as well. So I think the kind of heart of it, you need a kind of strategy. You need then the the output and then you need to think about how do you use these across the different channels. So people underestimate the amount of reuse you can get between all of these channels that all work in concert with each other. What's your perspective, Paul? My view here is that you always need to go to where the customer actually is, right? Too often in the past, not just social media, is banks have been 
a very reactive channel in terms of that they have to wait for the customer to come into the branch or they have to wait for the customer to phone them or they wait for the customer to log into online banking. Social media is a channel and opportunity to actually go where customers are every day of their lives, right? Because everybody's in social media. And then you can kind of go down and boil that down to different segments, right? So you'll probably find that different types of customers are on Facebook as opposed to Instagram and certainly as opposed to TikTok. And if you can reuse that content or even use different content that talks to a different type of segment, you need to know what channel, what social media platform is the best way, best place to actually use that content to reach the right type of customers. And the great thing about social media is if it doesn't work, you try something different. It's really easy. And it's such low cost in terms of channel, in terms of trying different things as well. And the things that then do work, you just double down on those things, Robert, and you keep doing them. And you keep posting in the same way as well to you know, engage with your customers and acquire more. Fantastic. Look, I think, as always, we could probably run on this for at least the rest of the day. But I've certainly definitely learned a lot from this session David, do you want to wrap up with any final thoughts? All I'll say is we're going to keep a view on what's going on from a social perspective going forward. And the plan is to expand it out into other markets. Because at the moment, what we're doing is very kind of UK focused, but we want to know what's going on in the rest of the world, because I think there's lots of lessons to be learned. So with that, I'm going to say thank you very much to our two esteemed guests, Tilly Wallace and Paul Loberman, it's been really great to have you on the show and to share all of your insights. Really appreciate it. Thank you both. Bye. Hi, Thanks, hi. guys. Thank you. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Dave and Dan Demystify. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault on SoundCloud. Be sure to connect with Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery on LinkedIn. And until next time, ciao and have a marvellous week. The Dave and Darm Demystify Show is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.